SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. All right, let's get it going. Mpotsugudi is joining us on the line. She's a registered dietitian. She's also a co-author of a book called Eating. And Eating has got a couple of things going for it. Um, yes, it's a wonderful cookbook. Yeah, lots of beautiful recipes. She'd orchid, she, she co-authored this with Anna Trapido, who is anthropologist as well as a chef. But in here are recipes that are inspired by how our ancestors in this continent used to eat, right? So she goes back and looks at what it is that we used to eat um, as a people. And of course, they try and modify it somewhat. But she also goes on to include nutritional values of some of the foods. Foods that actually we don't find um, common indexes for. So you wouldn't know what kind of nutritional value uh, is an indigenous um, fruit, for instance, because it's just never been documented before and, and looked into. So she went to the trouble to do that and put together an entire index, which I thought was absolutely valuable. Because what we find often is that you would know the nutritious value of specific foods, which are not necessarily from South Africa. And and we go all out to seek these foods and they come at very high prices. Whereas you may find that very right here under your doorstep is something that is of equal value um, also maybe even better nutritionist value and much more accessible. But you just don't know it, you see, because you've been informed about something else that is um, across our shores. So the exercise today is to really educate ourselves about what we have. We now know that really health at this time is something that we have to value. We have to look at everything that we do. We, we really have to look after ourselves and food is one of those ways. So we ask very kindly for Mpot to join us this afternoon so that we can take us, she can take us through this index table of what is that we can start indulging in as our indigenous foods for better health. And Paul, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Camilo, and to you and the listeners. So let's start thank you with, for having me. Absolute pleasure. Let's start with your journey. What led you to this journey, Mpo? So I am a dietitian from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Rustenburg. Mm-hmm. And in a, in, a, in a more black family where you ate sorghum and there was, um, we had fig trees and we had mulberry trees and apricot wild, um, the KUK apples, like the, uh, our um, South African apricots. And you grew up eat, I grew up eating a lot of Morocco and my mother, every time you had an ailment, she would give you um, a medicinal herb or even for a tummy ache we had met. Then I, I I was very good in science in school, and I also liked cooking. I started cooking from a very young age. I studied nutrition and dietetics at the University of, um, of Natal. But in the curriculum, there was never actually the mention of indigenous African foods. What we learned was the salmon and uh, brown rice and broccoli and all of these Western foods, then you qualify and you go to do community service in a rural area. Mm. When you get there, you're supposed to be telling this old lady 
to control her blood sugar level. But what you know as glycemic index and antioxidants and vitamin Bs is actually foreign. And and it took me to, to remember that my, my grandmother wouldn't eat rice. Like old ladies don't, or even our grandfathers don't eat rice. They always want to eat sorghum. But then there wasn't a reference. And I always get so frustrated that I remember crying to my mother that these people don't like me um, because they don't listen. But it wasn't that they... They didn't. It was just something foreign. They really, really wanted to improve their health. I then, in my course, then started, I studied functional medicine, and I realized so functional medicine doesn't. It doesn't. We're not against medicine, but mm-hmm. we're saying the root cause of the illnesses mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. is the food and the the lifestyle, the lifestyle that we are leading, the mm-hmm. polluted air and water, and um, that we don't exercise, we don't get to have um, sunlight, we are not, we are sleeping bad. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the foods that we're using were were indigenous foods, especially with the with the European food. They will talk about the the American food and also a lot with the Chinese and the Eastern food. Then I I wondered what is functional medicine in an African context? Mm-hmm. You know, and I started because then I, I have the science and the biochemistry of food and I know how the body functioning. I started now talking to older people to saying I'm seeing my clients in their thirties who have high blood pressure and have diabetes and they say nobody at home has it because we under um we we under the impression that it's genetic mm-hmm. uh, only. And they're saying, but I am thirty five, my grandmother is seventy, she's still clean, she does this, she doesn't have anything. And 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 I spoke to older people and asked them, like what is that you are eating? Because there's this disparity like if you're coming from the whole family what did we change mm-hmm. and a lot of the conversations were when because i ask you about your story where did you grow up and how did you move through life and move to the suburbs people would then say i realized that when i left the indigenous way or the, the, the rural way of living i then became sick and they, they could connect the dots and i was saying to them that that Looking at indigenous foods, yes, I don't have the the education in that field, but just connecting the dots and finding the literature that I can find is that all of these low GI, good for you with the heart um, health properties and antioxidants, and that we have it in 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 South Africa. It's just that we have never ever communicated about our food in this way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you said something at the last time we spoke to say that one of the things that the body remembers, your genes remember, are how your ancestors used to process food. And that is imperative. So it's not to say that some, uh, some other cultures' foods are wrong. It's to say that your body recognizes something that is indigenous because it just knows what to do with it. Yes, um, we don't have a lot of the research in South Africa because we, it costs a lot of money and it doesn't seem to be something that we do very well. But one of the, the well-known re, um, literature around the world is looking at the Japanese and the, the Chinese who moved from from um, their home countries to the U.S. When they got there, they didn't have the indigenous foods. They then, within the first generation that was naturalized in the U.S., their cancer levels and diabetes levels were at the same as Americans who had been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they coming from the countries where disease, these diseases are not actually seen. Mm-hmm. 
because because by by if if and especially even with looking at something as simple as milk in Africa, yes. a lot of Africans do not digest milk in its pure mm-hmm. form mm-hmm. because naturally we have been fermenting our milk. Mm-hmm. We make sour milk and we make these soft cheeses. So so when also when our government says drink three glasses of milk a day. Um, a lot of people then start having discomfort and they start having a lot of diarrhea and they're not liking the milk. We're not considering where we come from because our ancestors just never drank the milk. We just never evolved to have um, lactase, which is an enzyme that digests the milk, like the Europeans do because they just drink the milk fresh. We have it fermented. Hmm. So, so I'm passionate about connecting, you know, um, natural foods and and where we've been to our own country's health guidelines. Mm, mm. So let's talk about some of the foods that we may not know. Um, It's nutritionist values because we just don't know. And uh, I have to tell you that there's some stuff here that you have. Mm -hmm. I've got your book, by the way, in front of me. Oh, okay. um, that I've been struggling to get. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to pass by um, uh, like a, a little property, but I did ask um, and I saw figs and I was so excited. <laughs> we picked some figs. Uh, the, the owner of the property was so kind to allow us to, but I, I haven't been able to, for instance, find them at shops. Um, yes, um, they, they, if you have a relative in, in the rural areas, they'll give it them to you. I grew up with six, but, mm. um, and, and if you look at the, the health trends every year at the, at the beginning of the year, you'd always see figs, you see baobab, you see, uh, millet, sorghum, moringa, and the top 20 list will always have 15 Southern African foods that we don't appreciate. Wow. And, yeah, and when you see figs, a lot of people will say, oh, I went to the shops. Why are six costing six tillings for four? Because of the high antioxidant levels that they're in. So we, we don't farm them um, well in South Africa. There are a few companies in the Western Cape that do farm them and they go into the health stores. Yes, because uh, as I was having this conversation with one of my children, um, they were asking, you know, you know, so can we get some more? They liked the, the taste. And then I said, you know, I don't know about, I mean, if you wanted them, it's easy to get fig jam at the store and, you know, other things. But the actual fig, it's so hard to find. So absolutely what, you, what you're saying is that they go into other production um, chains. They, yes. They're not coming to our stores as is. Yes, they're not. They, they are enjoying, actually the season is ending now. It's towards the end of this month. Mm. There are fresh figs in, in South Africa. Mm. So there are a couple of companies that are producing, but it's not for mass market. Yeah. I don't think they have the capacity to, to meet the demand. Okay. So nutritionist value of figs, you, you wanted to point that out. Yes. So when you're assessing the, the nutritional value of the food, um, besides the the vitamins and the minerals, the most important part is to also look at the color of the food. Mm-hmm. So the color of the food represents what we call the polyphenols. So it's those chemicals that interact with the bacteria in your stomach to help it to be healthy because we know that your healthy gut is the cornerstone of your health because it affects your mood, it affects your concentration, it affects the way you sleep, it affects your immune system and how you process sugar and fat. So by looking at the deep color, so if you look at the deep purple colors that you find in figs, 
You also find them in red grapes. You find them in blueberries and mulberries. And people will then say red wine is good for your heart. It's not the wine, it's the grapes <laughs> with the skin. Yes, it's not the wine, it's the grapes. <laughs> so that, 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 that resveratrol has properties that have been shown to lower the risk of cancer, be good for your heart, be good for your immune system, be good for this. So food comes into many, many cultures. Fix, um, there are red fix, there are white ones, there are green ones. But because of the industrialized food system and monoculture, we tend to only know one color because it benefits mm. the farming community. Mm. Okay, so that's the one uh, we're taking that off the list. The next food yes. that you would like us to have a look at is what? The, um, I think let's go to the grains. To the grains. So, yes, South Africans eat a lot of maize, um, which is naturalized. It's mm. not a heritage product. It comes from Mesoamerica, so from from uh, Mexico and down down there. Um, but if you're looking at at how we tend or how we need to be choosing the type of foods that we're putting on our plate. Food needs to be good for us as people, and it also needs to be good for the planet, and it needs to be, bring us pleasure, but it also needs to be priced right. So, so if, if, you con- if you're comparing maize that we are eating compared to something like sorghum and millet, then you, the way that um, sorghum and millet come to a plate, they come whole. So they come with the fiber and the essential oils and the proteins and the carbohydrates, which actually are good for your heart and your blood sugar levels and obviously your waistline. Compared to maize, which comes stripped off all the nutrition and it's just white starch that we have on our plate that doesn't actually benefit us, it makes us sick. The other point how did we get to inherit this maze that people fight tooth and nail to say to us it is ours when it's not it's columbus it it, (laughs) is it's one of the um columbus exchange when the the europeans moved to europe to to um south america and they brought some food from here Mm -hmm. from europe to to, to, to the Americas and they took some of the American foods like so, like corn and, and, and tomatoes, mm. which we are thinking are, are Italian, actually tomatoes are Mexican, and they brought them here. So the exchange and, and part of them, the, if we can look at the food system in the world, we don't honor um, national or, or, or people's heritage taste. The way the food system is, is so global that the taste is the same throughout, mm. that that if you go to, to America, you can find your breakfast cereal. It will taste the same as mm-hmm. in you are in Italy or in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also the same thing that we are finding in, in South Africa, that South Africa has such a wide climate, but people in Venda and Cape Town are eating the same thing, which should not be the case. Mm-hmm. So, so maize is an economic and a political issue, the way that it has penetrated all the countries in the world. Mposukuru is my guest. She's a registered dietitian. She's with us talking about indigenous foods. And we're going to be going through this indigenous uh, index table of nutritionist foods that we should at least attempt to try and get back to for our own health and safety, may I add. So we are going to open the lines 011-714-2006 when we get back after this. Let me just go quickly to Nandika Bukas for the latest in headlines at 131st. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation.
Hi Pamela. You know, I don't know why a government should just uh, allow people to eat you know, whatever they feel like they can eat and whatever they can drink. You know, because now when we are living in a very, very dangerous time. There are many herbs and there are many plants that can be eaten, like um, raw or cabbage and many other things that are very, very beneficial for the immune system. You know, government must just officially permanent permit every person to eat whatever they can eat to spread the, 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 the COVID. You know, like steaming also. Before we used to steam with with water, with intelligence and all those things. They are very, very beneficial. So we must just allow anyone to use whatever they can want to use. Whether it's lemon, whether it's ginger, it's garlic, it's steaming, anything that a person can just use. Government must just allow anyone to use whatever they want to do. Thank you, Zad Kodokwana. Great, Pimelo Piri here in Alex. I think we all would like to eat uh, good, uh, good food, uh, nutritious food. But the challenge is that it obviously costs money. It hits the pocket hard. And so if you're not so well off, uh, you know, especially if you live in informal settlements and townships, you know, the, the best thing that you can get is probably, you know, this food that's sold in the street, like your quarters and whatnot which are not so nutritious, but the thing is they are quite cheap, so you can grab that easily and be filled. So, you know, whilst we want to eat uh, healthy, it's, it's about what you have in the pocket. And uh, obviously eating healthy is very important because it builds uh, your better immune system. Yeah, but uh, it comes at the price. Uh, I would appreciate any advice on what kind of food one can eat that uh, is not so expensive. Thank you so much. I know this topic is very funny because yesterday I was having a conversation with my kids about figs. My kids have never tasted a fig except you, uh, on a byproduct. So uh, it's just a bit funny for me. Yeah, that's the conversation I was having with my children because uh, once I did get hold of one, it was quite an exciting experience. Mpotsukudu is my guest. She's a registered dietitian. She's also an author of a book called Eat Ding, Lose Weight, Gain Health and Find Yourself. And uh, in this book, uh, wonderful recipes, but more importantly, um, it's Return to Indigenous Foods. And uh, she puts a wonderful index of its nutritional value. So different foods have now got nutritionist values that we are able to physically look at. I mean, I'm now able to look at a table and see quantifiably so how nutritious is this particular plant, uh, this particular legume, this particular vegetable, the fruit and so on. So this for me, I found absolutely valuable because we've been able to point at these kind of things for foods that are not necessarily indigenous. Now she's done the work and we are now able to say with absolute confidence, this particular food choice is healthy because this is what it's able to offer me as a person. But there was that um, call that came through. I mean, I think we spoke a little bit about the issue of land at some point when you and I spoke because mm-hmm. it's, it's also in the book. You speak a bit about how we, we, we had to, we, we lost touch. We lost touch with how we used to consume foods. We, we were moved from, from land, moved into spaces that were smaller. We, we had to start eating differently. Would you like to talk to that? Yes, um, this, is, this is the... the when the apartheid government took the land away from um, subsistence black farmers. And, you know, they took them. I mean, even if you, they, in your family, they didn't even take um, the land. They, leave you, they left you with a little bit of land. Farming is labor-intensive. They took those men to come to Johannesburg and dig for gold. So we lost that part. But there was also extensive 
industrialization, which also then if you're not farming, what else, how else are you going to get the food? You're going to have to go get the job and buy what the shops are giving you. You don't have much of a choice. And and this actually even now is impacting on our health because if, for me, if you don't understand how food is made, I'm not saying everybody should own a farm, but if you've never seen a fig or if you've never seen an orange or a, a morojo growing on the ground, you don't get to appreciate the labor or even when somebody gives you something that is not good enough. You don't understand. If you don't understand how food production is, is it is, we don't. We can't question when somebody gives you fish fingers. You know that fish doesn't have fingers. We we don't question food because we are so far removed. There's this movement in the world to move us so far away from from where food naturally comes from that we don't even ask questions. Um, some advice, I mean, he asked for some advice to say he's an informal settlement, just some advice on how he can begin this journey to returning to healthy eating. I, I'm a, I, I love beans and lentils and, and, and nuts. And these are, I know people call them poverty foods and people say they give them um, stomach issues that they have a lot of bloating. But if you look at the, the variety of beans and lentils, like we have the moon beans, um, which are the green, in Sedona they call them the Cody, the green lentils. Um, we have a lot of cow peas, which are um, the black-eyed peas, the one with the black um um, spot in the front, and mm-hmm. they also make morojo, mm-hmm. uh, that the leaves, you can eat them. We have a, a variety, even if you go into stores, if you go into Indian stores, you, you'll find a variety of, of that. Beans, um, um, they have a carbohydrate that is released very slowly. So if you're thinking about your heart health, if you're thinking about diabetes, if you're thinking about even controlling your weight, they also are high in fiber. They also are high in proteins. Everybody's talking about plant proteins. So there's something easy to make. So if you're finding that you are getting bloated with the beans, you need to soak them. So you soak them today, so you just put them in water and leave them there. Then in the in the afternoon, then maybe about eight hours, then you remove the water and you, you put fresh water, and tomorrow you cook them. And because then we don't eat beans as usual, I know that the South African government says three times a, a week, you know, and some of us eat them twice a day. We're not used to eating beans. When you start, don't start with a full cup. Start very slowly for your body to acclimatize to the beans. You'll find that in a week or two, you can tolerate to eat beans every day. They are a good source of protein. And you can mix them in tomato and onion gravy. You can mix them into morojo. You can add them to semp. You can add them to to sorghum and make the You can make a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of countries are making uh, milk out of them. You find them in, in East, in, in West Africa with bambara nuts, diko that the educate the school education and nutrition programs they are taking the goal because the bambaranas because of the high protein nature that they are making fermented milks out of them like a like a plant yogurt. They are using the flour in in the preparation of to enhance the nutrition of of the bread because flour now doesn't from wheat flour doesn't have much of the nutrition they're using them for biscuits so you can do so many things around the home if you see somebody making um a nut milk out of almonds and you have um indigenous uh, indigenous nuts like a lot of south africans have 
um, especially in the in Bumalanga, they would have cashews. You can do the same thing with with some with um, with cashews that somebody is doing with almonds. So don't just look mm. at the recipe says almonds. Like in my book, I would say almonds, but you could use any other nut. Mm. If somebody makes use of a certain bean, do use the beans that you have. The flavor is more or less the same. Mm. Mpotsukuru is a registered dietitian. Uh, we'll give her. We'll give you her details. I know a lot of you are already asking. You know, how do we get hold of her? Um, she's in conversation with us. We're talking about indigenous foods and how we can better move ourselves to a healthier path using foods that we already knew. The body already recognizes because our ancestors used to take those foods. I will take your calls. Oh one one seven one four two zero zero six. I do see you, Tafara. I'll be back with you after this. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105FM in Mokopane. We're taking your calls on 011-714-2006. We're also taking WhatsApp notes on 0614-104-107. We're talking about indigenous nutritionist health. Tafara, you're calling from Johannesburg. Hi. Hi, Pamela. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for calling, Tafara. Yeah. Uh, compliment of the season, by the way. <laughs> Same to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Pamela, I really want to thank you for all these uh, very uh, educational uh, programs that you always have. Thank you. You know, you bring such good experts, and uh, I, for one, really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, I, just, I just wanted to ask him, Paul, um, because I've uh, I actually started eating uh, sorghum about two years ago, mm. right? And I mostly use it uh, in my porridge, and I, I buy the raw raw uh, um, um, sorghum, you know, the fine sorghum, mm-hmm. and I just mix it in my porridge. I don't know if that's that's even healthy to eat it raw like that. So you don't cook mabele, you you keep it, you just no. you just eat it raw. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Yes, I mix it with with other like instant uh, porridges, you know, like with oats and other stuff, mm-hmm. and and I just eat it raw. Paul, have I lost for loving sorghum? Um, <laughs> so so one thing about the grains. So in in what um, when you look at um, like the the, the um, biochemical composition of the grains, they have something called phytates, which um, it's. It's a term we use it. I would just say it's a, it's, it's compounds that bind to calcium and iron and magnesium, which are essential nutrients when they are not cooked. So it's important that you cook your grains very well, especially also including the beans and the lentils, so that you can reduce the amount of phytates that you have. So it's not advisable to eat them raw mm. because then you're blocking the absorption of essential minerals. Hmm. Oh, all, right. all right. Okay. So, and the cooking, because you know, it, even if I need to cook, you know, because I don't normally, you know, like with the oats, I, you know, I just I don't want to cook them for too long. Um, how long would I need? Would I, because I know sorghum when you have to cook, like you know, to use it as a as as a what you call it, like like as a for, as pup, mm-hmm. as, a, as a as a replacement of pup. I know you, it, it takes long. Uh, do I have to? Uh, uh, equally cook it for that long? Um, so fermenting 
and also um, soaking the, the grains and also the beans and lentils reduces the cooking time and it also reduces the amount of phytates that you have. So if, if you don't ferment it, just soak it or so that you can cook it less. So you can even keep it in water for like maybe an hour while you're doing something else and the cooking process will be quicker. Sorry, um, I'm talking about the fine, you know, the, the, the very fine uh, sorghum here. Yes. Uh, and I can't imagine yes, even how, if it's how fine, I soak still... How would I soak that? How would that work? You add water. So it just becomes a, like a lump. Yes. No, you, you, you add cold water to it. You don't ferment with So you, you, when you mix any grains, it's like when you're baking, yeah. you add cold water to it. Yeah. So it forms a paste. Okay. Do you All understand? Right. It forms a paste. Yeah. Even when you are going to cook it without fermenting and you're just going to cook it for a longer time, you add cold water and you stir it and it removes that the, 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 the lumps will dissolve. Then okay. in a boiling um, in a water boiling water, then you simply add it very slowly with a wooden spoon and you you stir it until it comes to a, a, a thick consistency. Then you okay. lower the heat and let it cook. You will just taste the difference. It becomes yeah. sweeter actually the more you cook it. Yeah. Tapara, yeah. have you, have you cooked custard? Yes, I have. It, 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 the technique would be the same. So you keep yeah. stirring. You don't stop stirring yeah. for a while. I can imagine, yeah. Okay. yeah. But it just means that it's going to take me longer to have my but porridge. But Tafara, how, how long do you want to spend with Batung? <laughs> I, just, I just want, you know, when I get up, I just want to make it and, and go, you know? It's this so. culture of cereals. Thanks, Tafara. Thank you. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So, so uh, Pimelo, yeah. can, can I just quickly ask sure. about things like okra? And I would also like maybe just, just to touch on things like okra. Mm. And also lately I've, I've been hearing about blackjack leaves. I don't know if she's heard anything about that. Okay, let's ask him, yeah. Paul. Okay, yes. This next session that we're going to talk about was the green leaves. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so South Africa has over, I think, a hundred different types of morojo, mm-hmm. um, the green leaves. So that, so what what people eat, um, different um, communities, it depends on their taste preference and what grows easily. So you have, um, especially in the northern um, our provinces, they they like okra. And also the blackjack, some people like amaranth. If you go to the Western Cape, because it's a different climate, they tend to have more shrubs um, than what we have, but they also have amaranth. So whatever is, is your taste preference, whatever is easier for you to, to eat, it's more nutritious than actually eating spinach. Because like I'm going back to the color of the food, the more better something is, the more nutritious it is for you. So whatever that you like, incorporate it into your food. And try to to taste things that you didn't grow up with. Mm-hmm. You know, ask your yeah. friends and say, yeah. can I try something else? You know, if yeah. Just give it a try. If it doesn't, if it's not your taste preference, at least you know, but widen your, your taste preference yeah. and variety. That means you are widening, you are widening your nutritious nutrition intake. Mm. Uh, Love yeah. that. Thank you so much. Thank no. you very much for that call. Thank you so much. I'm discovering these poverty foods are actually the <laughs> probably the better food. You know? <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, okay, Paul, thanks. And Paul, you know, I, I think we're going to run out of time. So may, may, we may yes. have to just come back okay. again and pick up on some of these things. But let me take some voice notes. Lots of people want to ask you some questions. Just maybe one okay. or two voice notes. Hi, this is Pumela. It's Chico here. I just want to ask... What effect does when it comes to uh, some of us we are used to eating um, uh, 
our traditional, let's say, pub, maybe day and night, does it have a side effect of eating it every day? Because for me, I can eat pap and meat almost all year without changing it, and I don't have any problem with that. So I don't know in future might I might have maybe a problem or what. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Polani uh, from Naisna. Uh, tell me, um, I've been told that uh, I'm diabetic. I inherited it uh, uh, probably from my parents, uh, something like that. And I've been told that I mustn't eat sugar beans, uh, lentils, uh, sweet potato, a lot of things, a lot of things. I feel like I'm, I've got very few things that I can eat. Uh, you can eat veggies, but then uh, you feel very hungry so quick. Uh, what can one eat? Or can I completely stay away from sugar beans? Okay, this is right up your alley because this is what you deal with. So this guy, the gentleman that's talking about uh-huh. his diabetes. Yes, um, I think one thing that I actually need to correct, he says he thinks he inherited it mm. from his, his parents. Mm. That is not the complete truth. Just because your parents have um, diabetes or high blood pressure, it doesn't mean you are going to have it. So think about your, your genetics as a, as a loaded gun, that you are not pulling the trigger. So you can have the genes, but we pull the trigger by our lifestyle. So the kind of foods that we have, the stress, and that we are not moving and um, the kind of fast lifestyles that we are, we are living now are turning on the genes for these diseases that we're thinking we are inherited. You can have the genes, but you can choose to not switch them on. And I think also it, it would be interesting, um, it, it would be wrong, I think, for me to, to, to just give him advice on the radio. He needs um, professional um, assessment, like one-on-one to look at his lifestyle and what he's been eating and his weight and the kind of medication that he's taking if he is taking medication and activity level to say for him what you should be eating at the time. All right. We're going to have to pick this up again. Please give us some more time. There are so many questions coming through. Some people are asking about uh, the connection between uh, what they eat and body uh, blood types and so on that we've been hearing about those kind of things. And and we haven't even touched on nuts and so many other things. I'm going to have to thank you for now um, and ask you to come back. Please, please, please. Oh, well, thank you so much, Kevella. Right. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Mpotsukuru is a registered dietitian. She's also a co-author of a book called Eat Ding. It's my Bible. If, if you're interested, try and see if you can get this one at your uh, favorite bookstores.